The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. As the new year is getting underway, you might be feeling a little uneasy. I've talked to a lot of people who are feeling what could be called a weird energy, maybe a collective dread as we're fielding the news every day. Make no mistake, 2024 is going to be a ride, so we better buckle in. I hope you can stay present with me for this conversation with Dr. Ken Druck, who's done pioneering work in helping people to learn to go on in times of adversity. If you're experiencing what could be called a dark night of the soul, well, you're definitely not alone. And it might be the age group that I'm in now, you know, I'm in my quote 50s. <laughs> so I'm seeing a lot of depression, pain and angst just among my friends and family. Some people are looking around and to quote David Byrne of the Talking Heads, you know, where is that beautiful house? Where is my beautiful wife? How did I get here? You know? So if you're in your 40s and 50s, you can probably relate to this feeling. And that's why I'm really looking forward to the conversation today with Dr. Ken Druck. And I first met Ken when I was working at Hay House, and he had released a book called The Real Rules of Life back in 2013. And he's released several others since then, and his wisdom just continues to grow. We need him now more than ever. He's done pioneering work on how to go on in times of adversity after a loss, dealing with grief, and mastering the issues of aging. And Ken's personal journey after the tragic death of his daughter Jenna and his work with bereaved families after events like Sandy Hook, Columbine, the mass shootings in Las Vegas, he's the guy. He's the guy that they call when these things happen. All of this experience have led him to discover how we go on from life's worst losses. And he's put all of this wisdom into his latest book that I've just been loving and spending some time with. It's called How We Go On, Self-Compassion, Courage, and Gratitude on the Path Forward. And welcome, Ken, to my podcast. I'm, I'm so happy we can start off the year. I can start off the year talking with you, which is a blessing. So thank you so much. Diane, it's always been a blessing to spend time with you, whether we're on the air and you're introducing me to your family out there, the people that, that listen to this show and I'm having a chance to meet them and speak with them, or whether we're sitting and having coffee. It's a joy to be with you. And I love the way you started because for some people, it's not wishing them a happy new year is, is a beautiful thing, but it's like, if you really knew me and what was going on in my life right now, you wouldn't say happy new year. You'd say, you know, Hey, I hope it's a good, it's a new year that gets better over the months. Uh, or it's a new year where that I hope is filled with healing oppor opportunities for you to heal your heart. Cause I know you're hurting right now. Uh, I know you're trying to make sense of, of the path forward, how to find that path forward. So I love the way you started. Well, that's what we're going to talk about, how to find the path forward. And just personally looking around for me, I mean, two people that I know are going through major heart surgeries with something called the Widowmaker. That's a, a something that blows up in your heart. Um, so there's that. There's health challenges. There's people that are facing that. Just our, our climate, socially, politically, everything around us. Yes. Is, is so heavy and challenging right now. So you, you are very hopeful when you say happy new year, because you're hoping it is going to be a happy new year. 
but then you're kind of bracing yourself, like, you know, what, what's coming next? Buckle and, your seatbelt because- right? yeah. Buckle in, you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride, right? It is. It is. And, and, and some, for some of us, it's simply the time of life. For some of us, it's a transition that we're going through in our work life, in our marriage, in our family life, or with one of our kids or all of our kids. For other people, it's a, it's a tough diagnosis. And it's like, what? But all of us and every person we know is going through a what now moment in their life. And, and it could be what now I just won the, you know, the lottery. It could be an opportunity or I just met the person in my dreams and I don't want to blow it. So it, it doesn't always have to be a loss or, you know, a cha- an unwelcome challenge or a change, but we all have the, and how we either, either avoid meticulously avoid and Some of us have become master avoiders or whether we meet this moment and summon the courage, the newfound courage and understanding, forgiveness, uh, perspectives, balance, how we, whether we summon that to this moment and meet this moment is going to determine the quality of, of, this, of 2024, but also the quality of our lives going forward. So, and, a, and the quality of our character. And a what now moment can be happening also in a country or, you know, that's at war or that's on the verge of war that, or that is a leader in the world that can make decisions that create and forge peace, you know? So, so it's a what now moment across the board. What now? That's for sure. And really keeping that in mind and just knowing that should help us access compassion for people around us, for everyone, for people around the world. And I mean, hopefully maybe we can keep that thought with us as, you know, we, we go through our, our days and weeks ahead. That's the path and, to understanding, you know, yeah. rather than defending and attacking and discrediting and assassinating other people's or, or countries of the character. It's that understanding, even if we don't end up disagree, agreeing at all, but it's the understanding that forges some semblance of, of peace and, and, and agreements about how we're all going to go forward, even when, we disagree, even when we're going to be voting for different people. How do we go forward? Because we happen to be on the same planet. We happen to live in the same communities, often in the same nation, but definitely in the same world. And we can either create it to be a war zone or a zone of othering people. Oh, that's the other, you know, or a zone where we understand through compassion. You know, you mentioned earlier the, the loss of my daughter. Well, that was my trip to the bottom of a pain. But, it, but I had a choice down there. I didn't have a choice about what happened. But I had a choice to either un- understand and be more compassionate and understand the suffering of other people and why they do some of the things they do, why they live with the fears they live with, or to, to really go on with a closed heart, a contentious heart, an angry, indifferent to the pain of other people or the suffering or the challenges of other people. And that we do get to choose. And we're all hoping and praying that, you know, not only the people we love, people in our families, people in our communities, in our nation, in our world, make the choice to, to try to understand why somebody's doing or saying what they're doing, but to also hold people accountable because justice is critically important. There need to be consequences for those people who make those bad choices that end up having very bad results and generating war, hostility, discord, dysfunction, pain in the lives of other people. Yes, holding them accountable and recognizing truth from all the all the lies and disinformation and everything that we're we're surrounded with and and you're right we have to we have to speak and be able to understand who we might call the other you know and, yes. and offer them compassion or we're just not going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we're it's just not going to make- It's altogether impossible to understand, you know, if we think about 
who in this world or what that's happening in this world is weighing heavily on my heart? Who just triggers anger in me and outrage? And what, who and what? You know, we, we have a recent savage, barbaric beginning to a new war that happened in the Middle East. You know, how could we not be torn uh, torn up and, and turned inside out and upside down by the fact that people could act this way murderously, you know, and savagely and start a war. I mean, some of the, I've, you know, as you pointed out earlier, I get called into situations. I've been called into the situation in the Middle East. I've been called in to meet with students who were doing their gap year of high school in Israel who came back. They signed up for, for to experience, to experience you know, all the wonderful things that were happening between Palestinian and Israeli kids and families, the the irrigation that and solar power and the, the employment and the jobs that, that Israelis were on the border were offering to their Palestinian brothers and sisters. And suddenly they're running for their lives or their best friends had been raped and murdered, you know, and they were hiding because people decided that the best way to go about their business was through murder and rape and savage behavior that started a war. So how do we, how do we live in this kind of a world? How do we understand and try to get to the root so that it's not being generated? It's not a vicious cycle that's being fed and repeated into the years ahead that our children and grandchildren and future generations are going to have to contend with. That's, I mean, thank you, thank you for sharing that. That you're talking to people in that situation because I can't, I can't even understand the horror, and then asking those same people to try to understand what brought that other side to to do what they did. I, I can't even imagine trying yeah. to ac- access that. You know, yes, even as we hold them accountable, because justice, nothing can move forward until justice has been done to some element and honor. That's the path of honor, which is we hold people accountable. There are consequences for how all of us, the choices all of us make. And when these kinds of choices are being made in the world and generating the kind of hatred, the kind of violence, the kind of hostility and recycling it and and perpetuating it, there need to be consequences. Otherwise, Peace has no chance. You know, right. people, people go, there's the false promise of revenge that drives people to do often what they do as if, as if we're going to achieve justice through revenge. Revenge is a false promise. People who get revenge sit there saying, you know, great, this person went to jail or they got, but it doesn't on a spiritual level, on a deeply emotional level, you know, they can't get the person they love who was murdered back. They can't remove trauma from the hearts of the children that had to run for their lives and who've been traumatized. So whoever it is, wherever it is, we need to be examples of peace, of people who understand, who don't, you know, who aren't cultivating hatred and othering we need to be people who are reaching for greater understanding and trying to overcome our impulses as though revenge would become a satisfying result. So something I wanted to ask you about that after seeing everything that you've seen over the years and something that you shared in the book that you said as humans, you know, we are actually programmed to survive. Like we're, we're programmed to be resilient but do you think that, I guess, going to the point of, are, are people inherently good? Like, I'd like to think if there was some horrible atrocity or earthquake or something like that, and someone that I really couldn't stand was in a hole reaching out to me for help, could I let go of that and help them, right? Is, is that something that's innately human? Do you, I'd like to believe that's true. Is that true? Yeah, I think I think it's innately human to be understanding, compassionate at that point of crisis where we reach out and 
and and help somebody we would never have thought of helping, but we do it. We lift the bus off of their child. You know, we we reach out to them at, at the point that they're going to lose their life. But I think it's also inherent in us to have to go to, you know, we have these amazing processors where, where we can take nourishment out of air. We're amazing miracles as human beings. We can have emotions that guide our thoughts and decision-making. We have this amazing emotional system. But in that system is also fear, an unregulated fear allowed. And we have also, you know, fear and othering, as we talked about before. We can allow that stuff to get way out of control if it's being fed on a regular basis with misinformation. We have narratives playing in our head and conspiracies and fear and paranoia, you know, and hatred and disdain that we, if we allow it to build up like plaques allowed to build up in our hearts, you know, then, then we're going to, we're going to be dangerous. We're going to be people who become part of the problem, not the solution. We're going to be people who don't know how to create peace and get along on the anthill. And so even though they are people of our, of our time, they are people who are going to generate the wrong kinds of things. They won't allow, it won't allow the good parts of us, our better angels, to arise even out of ashes, to arise out of adversity, to arise out of somebody doing wrong, somebody's wrongdoing against us. You know, I've had, I have people I've worked with whose kids have been murdered and who reached out to the murderer and said, I know you have parents and you have a life ahead of you and you're going to spend 40 years in jail, but I want to make sure that those 40 years, I want to find an element of forgiveness in me. Part of me will never forgive you, but a part of me will. And I want to cultivate the part that will and help you create meaning in those 40 years and tell your parents how sorry I am about what happened. And so my heart has broken open. You know, all of our hearts break. The question is, are they going to break open? Are we going to become the more compassionate, understanding, forgiving, clear, honest version of ourselves? Or are they going to break closed where we, we get smaller, we get more fearful, we get more hateful, we get more judgmental of other people. We come to quick decisions about that, that other them and eliminate them and discredit them. So the question is not whether our hearts are going to break. We're all going to have broken hearts. The question is whether they, broke, we, they break open or they break closed and we become the smaller version of ourselves. And, and often that's the d- dangerous version when we hear about every morning or every week about these mass shootings and we try to deconstruct, how could somebody have done that? Well, this is a person who's been hurt, I'm sure, but who's contracted around that pain and has become indifferent to the pain of other people. It's so unbelievable. Not compassion. They have disdain and they act from that disdain. They, They imagine scenes and scenarios and theatrics and drama. And often that means taking the lives of other people who are completely innocent. And if, if we are hopefully able to open up instead of close and become a better, a better society, a better race of humans, you would think it, it just seems, why haven't we learned this lesson by now? When we look at history, I've been watching this incredible documentary on Netflix. You might've seen it about World War II um, with that amazing footage that they've found and the faces of, of the people. It just, it, it brings me to tears to see the look in their eyes as the Nazis are burning down their house, you know, and, and just the horror of, of what we've already been through this before, you know, why are we still doing this to each other again, you know, and seeing the looks, even on the faces of, there was one German soldier that they interviewed and he was supposed to shoot a guy and he was walking ahead of him and he turned, he turned to the, 
the prisoner and said, I'm not a murderer. I'm not going to kill you and let the guy run away. And just the pain that even he was holding on to, you know, 40 years later of that incident, I, I just, I wonder if we can crack open open. I mean, that's why we need your message so much, you know, how we can go on from these things because we're, it's like, we're doing it again. Yeah. We're having fear of the other again. You know, it's, it's amazing that in our world, there are groups that have cultivated those understandings. There's a group called the parents circle in Israel of Israeli and Palestinian par- parents whose children have been murdered by the other side. And who've come together and said, you want to honor our children? Honoring our children means that not one other family will have to suffer the way we will suffer our entire lives because of the loss, the violent loss, the traumatic loss of our son or our daughter. If that's what honor is, it's preventing one other family to be victimized by hatred or indifference to the pain of other people. Or, or, or condemnation of a religion or a race or a culture or a skin color. You know, we, we, we want to walk the path of honor as a way of creating meaning in our lives, the lives that we have to now live without, with the loss of our son or daughter. And they have done such beautiful work as have other groups. There's a group called Hands of Peace, and Hands of Peace brings together Israeli and Palestinian kids, teenagers in, in this country, and they live together for two to three weeks, and they learn about all the common ground on which they live, and they love their families and the stories. They humanize to one another. They don't objectify one another as objects to be destroyed or rid of. They humanize. They realize, my God, we're, we're human. We're all human. We're teenagers. We're going through some of the same st- stuff. You know, we're, we're growing up. And that's the way. And we want to take that understanding into and, and create peace in our cultures and forge understandings and, and create peace in this part of the world. These organizations are torn apart right now as are many others who've been working towards peace. Why are they torn apart? Because a group, a violent extremist group that have been radicalized has this, and has cultivated generations of hatred, has let it loose, has let that violence and hatred loose and attacked Israel. And you know, you know one of the first people that was killed a beautiful man on one of the border towns, an Israeli man who created 15,000 jobs for Palestinians, brought over piping for irrigation to help create irrigation so they could become more self-sufficient, brought solar energy into Palestine, into Gaza. And he was one of the first people just mercilessly murdered. How could you do that? What have you, what have you destroyed here? What are you destroying? This random violence and killing as though that's going to honor, that's going to create any kind of a good result. So it's the insanity. It's the insanity fraught, bought, cultivated by violence and stories we tell ourselves that needs to be held accountable, brought to justice so that the other people, because there are millions of other people in the Middle East who want peace who want their children to grow up in a safe place, who don't want to be looking over their shoulder, don't want to be othering people because they know our families all want the same thing. We want our kids to grow up in a safe world and become everything they can become. So and That's what it comes down to, right? I mean, really, as, as human beings on this planet, we should all want the same things. It shouldn't be that difficult, right? We all want peace. We want homes and jobs and prosperity and food and, you know, all of, all of those things. So, so you, what you said, yeah, what you said is how could we still be doing some of these things? And I think what we, what we haven't paid close enough attention to is some of the nationalism, racism, anti-Semitism that has been right under the surface. There are little signs, little red flags here and there. And we hear about incidents but we haven't realized until 
what's happened in the last couple of months, how deeply embedded racism is in our culture still, that we haven't eradicated it, that we haven't educated people to, to be able to raise their children, show their children, we want the same things as they do. Our skin color may be different. Our, the religion or the culture we've been raised in and our traditions may be different. But they're families just like us. And they're the families of our time and our community and our world. You know, let's, let's, let's slow down and be a, a little understanding and forgiving and patient and, and expand our world a little bit. Instead, we're, we're being fed. There's been an explosion of anti-Semitism, of racism, of othering and other isms, you know, of misogyny, you know, right. So much has been right beneath the surface that has now surfaced, that is now making sense. Even this week with all the, you know, the revelations in the court, well, you pick any week, any time of year, it's happening. The revelations about trafficking that was taking place, you know, in wealthy communities right under our noses, you know, it's time for us to tell the truth. How we go on always starts with telling the truth as painful, as hard as it might be to come out of denial or all the things we do to justify what we've done. And so it looks like it makes sense to rationalize it and justify it and even BS about it. But it all starts with telling the truth, truth and reconciliation is the path forward and whether we're doing it and it always starts in our personal lives. So even if we can't do anything, we feel so helpless about doing something that's happening in the Middle East or in Ukraine or in Russia, you know, that we can start with ourselves being more honest with ourselves and giving that gift of understanding other people being peacekeepers and peacemakers because we listen, we dare to listen to and understand what's underneath somebody, what somebody is saying. You may be voting for somebody else, but help me understand, you know, what, what is it in you that is so quick to believe or to take this? Would you be willing to listen to how I see it? Because I'm willing to listen to how you see things. Let's try to find some common ground. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right. That's where it has to start. I was going to say that the the great thing or one of the great things in the book, because you you just mentioned, you know, there's all of these things around us that we feel is uncontrollable, but you break it down that we do have to start with ourselves and we can control what we do or try to take accountability for our own actions and, and what we do. And I mean, what, what I loved in the book that you also, you shared a lot of, of yourself your personal story, maybe more so than in other ones I've read, because you went through all the different stages of your life, you know, fellow Led Zeppelin fan. I never knew you were a big Zeppelin fan. Oh, I yeah. Love, I love Led Zeppelin. Rhode Island. <laughs> I saw them in one of their first American appearances. I'm so jealous. I would have loved to have seen uh, the, the mighty Led Zeppelin. Um but uh, now, now I'm thinking of Led Zeppelin. It got, got me off the track of what I was, was going to ask you. <laughs> what you were saying is that we have to start with ourselves. Yes, yes. And, that, and, that, and, and my personal, the reason I put so much personal history, two reasons. Number one, my daughter said, Dad, 
how are your grandchildren ever going to really know you? Would you please record somewhere the story of what you've gone through? Humanize yourself to your grandchildren so that if ever they come against that kind of adversity or that kind of situation, they have a living example from their grandpa, even though he might not be here. They can they can look back and read and like, oh, grandpa went through that. Look what he did. You know, he right. came through that. He he lost his daughter. His heart, his future was obliterated. What did he do? What is this, what he calls it, the eight honorings? How did he honor his daughter, Jenna, her life and her spirit? How did he cultivate the love that never dies so that he right. felt his love for her alive and close for the rest of his life? You know, how did he... How did he write new chapters of life and make new memories? Where did he find the courage or the, the healing to do that? And that's what I that's what the book is about. It's how we do it. Because how we, all, we do it. It's it's not enough to just say we need to do it. Come on yeah. now. Glass is half full. Fight your way back into life. Come on, you can you can do it. We have to understand what we're doing that is either slowing us, that's blocking the path forward that's inhibiting our movement on the path forward or that will help facilitate it, that will help us move forward. And not just in ways in our heads, but ways that organically, sometimes we heal from the inside. How do we cultivate healing from the inside? And that's what I've learned working on the front lines and in the trenches with the survivors of 9-11 or their families with Sandy, the parents of and siblings of Sandy Hook, and so many other people that I've had the honor and privilege of working with. And as you're taking us through the different life chapters, it was so great to read of you know challenges in childhood and adolescence, young adulthood. And it made me think, and something you brought up in the book of that I think is so interesting, because I love family of origin stuff, and how was I really taught to deal with adversity or are we even taught that at all? And then it, it made me also think of a, a good friend of mine that you that you helped, and I so appreciated you talked to a really good friend of mine who went through the death of her mother, and she I, I guess she wasn't really taught how to handle that, how to talk about it, how to deal with difficult things. And you know, you're you're teaching us like even we can start now as adults. But I think it was interesting to look back at what I was taught, you know, as a, a youngster. If even anything, like I can't even remember really my parents talking about things like that or, or history or what they went through. And I kind of had to find things out by pulling it out, you know? Yeah. So if, even like what you were saying at the beginning of the conversation, you know, talking to people, learning about them, having having compassion, it's, it's so important. And to start that young, so your grandchildren will be much better equipped than maybe some others. Oh, you know? I had my four-year-old grandson- Say, Poppy, why do we why do we have to die? That was his question two weeks ago, you know. And um, all all these questions: How do we create the safety? The operative word is safety. How do we make our families, our relationships with our kids, with our aging parents, you know, with our classmates, with our professors, our teachers? you know, our neighbors, how do we create safe spaces to be able to, to be honest? You know, we live with, with grief and loss. One of the great lessons I, that I learned is we don't live in a grief literate world. People say the stupidest things and the most insensitive things and not because they're bad people or they're, they just don't understand the do's and don'ts of what it means to support somebody who has suffered a life loss because somebody they love has died or a living loss. They're going through a divorce or they got a bad diagnosis or one of their kids is estranged or strung out or, or a husband left. He's in the military and he's been deployed or something, something that somebody is suffering as a, as a loss, a change, a challenge, a transition into retirement. You know, how many people, starts fall off the cliff and they're staring into the abyss when they retire. How many aging parents have never had a conversation in their own heart about dying? So it's a shock 
to to find out, my God, my body isn't, you know, my body's failing or I'm aging, I'm getting older. And they're suddenly they're in a state of shock and they do what they've always done, which is to go into massive avoidance, denial, hide, deny, repress, avoid, outrun, out busy, out numb. And, and so what's important for us, especially with our kids and grandkids and is, and in our families is to cultivate that understanding, that ability to listen. You know, you can tell a good listener because if they stick out their tongue, there's scar <laughs> tissue on their tongue. And all the times <laughs> they've bitten it and said, just shut up and listen. Just listen. Let the other person talk and ask a follow-up question. Tell me more or what what was that like for you? giving understanding is giving the gift of understanding so that another person you look into their eyes and you say, you really care. Don't you, you really get it. Wow. I'm not alone. There's at least one other person in the universe who cares and is capable of understanding what I'm going through, even though what I'm going through is so complicated. I'm so afraid of losing status in your eyes. I'm you're going to judge me. You're going to demote me. If I'm a man, I get demoted on the male scale to a lesser of a man's status because I shed a tear, you know? And if I admit to something, let's make it safe for people to tell the truth. Right. We're and so those, avoidant, yeah. aren't we? Are, we are so avoidant. And do you think it's more, it's got to definitely be a, a, a Western thing because you see other cultures, you know, I mean, in the Jewish faith, you'll sit Shiva and, and cry and wail and, let it all out. It but seems not like every we're just Shiva is that way. That's no. the design. The That's what design it's supposed to be, right? Supposed to be a life affirming, safe place where people can gather. Right, you they cover the mirrors so you can breathe. Right, your pain and my heart. So if I gather with you and I allow myself to feel what Diane must be feeling, going what she's going through, I've given you the greatest gift a human being can give to another, the gift of that of understanding and of not being feeling alone. It's enough that you've gone through what you've gone through. It's it's a whole nother layer of pain when we feel like we're alone, we have to isolate, we should we've not only lost a, a loved one, we've lost the world. Because now we're just damaged merchandise. Just hang me out on the 99 cent rack. I'm so broken. <laughs> I, I'm, right. you know, I'm so vulnerable. And, and the first thing we can do, the, how we go on after telling the truth, is to give ourselves permission to be human. It's like, my God, is my foot on my throat not allowing me to be human? I'm, I've got, I'm impatient. I'm judgmental. I'm harshly critical. I've got all these narratives about you're not this enough or too much that, or, or is my hand on my heart with kindness, allowing me to be human, being kind, being supportive, encouraging, humble, forgiving, honest. So sometimes it's a simple question to ask ourselves, is my foot on my throat or is my hand on my heart? It's as simple as that, because if you catch yourself here, guess what the opportunity is? It's like, I can't believe I just said that to myself. As a matter of fact, I've been saying that to myself for years. I've been lodging that criticism. I've been prosecuting myself with that admonishing finger of blame and producing evidence. I've been doing that for years. What would it be like for me to talk to myself from kindness? to allow myself to be the imperfect version of me that I am, to allow myself to be human, to have time to heal, not on the clock. Right. It's exhausting, right? Just so, to hold that, yeah. you know, to hold, to hold that in, uh, the, those feelings, those thoughts, those judgments of ourself. I mean, I hope that's something I'm learning as, as I get a little older and, and your other book addressed this so wonderfully too in Courageous Aging. But uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm seeing it in myself to try to not be so harsh and 
and judgmental. And you wrote about something else that I thought was great, our superpower, and you called it letting it go. And that's, I'm, I'm trying to work on that too. And it's, sometimes you just have to let it go, right? Or you, you can't go, go on, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're holding on to all this stuff. Yeah. How do I let it go? And that that's also important in every seasonal change. Am I going through a seasonal change in my life? You know, is something changing and shifting inside of me that's so subtle, but something's going on. You know, what am I being challenged to let go of? The word surrender is such a beautiful word to take into meditation. You know, can I surrender that? Can I let that go? Whether it's a judgment, a grudge, a a judgment against myself, uh, an insecurity that's perpetuated by, you know, this, this, this decision that, you know, I'm just not lovable enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not something enough. You know, am I, can I just let that go? Can I let it be in the past and clear the path forward? Because there are too many good things to come. And, and if I'm busy tied up in knots with my own insecurities and narratives telling me I'm not something enough or too much of this, or, you know, if I'm in that judgmental, self-critical, you know, paralysis, can I just, is there some piece of this I can start letting go of? And that's the gift that with our hand on our heart, that's the gift we give to ourselves. This is what keeps it going. What? The choking. (laughs) You're going to do what? Let it go? You know, people aren't going to love you. You're already unlovable. You know, instead it's, it's like, let it go. It's time. And don't you think we can let it go even if there's not a quote reason, you know, I I have a family member going through or has gone through a horrible breakup and in his mind, oh, I did everything right. There's no reason for this. What's the reason? He wants some kind of answer. Like the answer is she didn't want the same thing. (laughs) You know, what do you, what else do you need? What, what answer is going to be good enough for you? Why can't you let it go? Like, why is that so hard? I ask people who are holding on that way, I, what would have to happen for you to just let that go? What would have to happen for you to stop ruminating, obsessing about that? What would have to happen? What would, you, what would have to happen? And, and then to help them explore, well, I, it might take this or it might take that. But to at least begin the inquiry, you know, an inquiry is a great thing. Another place, another place we go with our hand on our, th- our foot on our throat is unknowing this is wrong. I should know what to do and where to go and what to decide, you know, what's wrong with me. And instead of how could you possibly know? I run a partner loss support group. And, you know, these are people who are in the first months or two of, of going, of figuring out how to go on without their beloved partner, person, they, their, their companion in this life. And their hearts are broken, but they've got their foot on their throat. Most of them with, I should know what to do. And I, my unknowingness, I don't like my unknowingness. I want control. I'm used to being in control. You know, what's wrong with me? And so instead of saying, how could I possibly know what to do? Maybe I need to just be loving and patient, and kind, and give myself all the support that I need to begin to make sense of, of what's best for me to do. I have this thing called the handbook, the self-care handbook, and it lists all the saboteurs. I call them self-care saboteurs and things that stop us from taking care of ourselves. And I ask people to, Read the handbook. As a matter of fact, anybody listening can get the handbook for free by going to my website. But anyhow, in that handbook, it's, it, it's, it's really, how do I do this? How do I start giving myself permission? How do I let go? How do I follow through with what I'm understanding? How do I begin to conduct an inquiry so that there's a period of exploring and asking and considering options with a hopefully with a trusted confidant we all need at least one trusted 
confidant, somebody we can get out of our own head figuring it out. We can do reality checks with another person. And so if we haven't found one, start moving towards finding somebody. And it might be a priest, a rabbi, an imam. It could be a counselor, a coach. It could be you start with reading a book, you know, and that will give you that will give you the the courage to, and the impetus to move forward and hire, find a therapist who specializes in what you're dealing with. So, and I'm going to put those links in the show notes so that people can get that self-care guide and yeah. find out some more information on your site too. I think that's, that's so helpful. And just reading your story and what you've been through and all the amazing strategies and tips that you share in the book it just shows that there's there's hope on this journey and you know we shouldn't give up that when when you're able to let go and and do some of those things that you create the room and space yes. for something that could be beautiful yes. and you know and you you shared after you know your daughter had passed away that you didn't think you'd ever have joy again or feel joy but spending time with your grandchildren you know you're able to to have those wonderful experiences and, and those things you. are available to all with of us. You. It, it's, it's everywhere. Yes. And that moment of hope, that moment of, of connection is awaiting all of us. It's, it's available in such abundance, but if we've, if our heart has broken closed and if we're in so much despair that we don't know how to dig our way out, get the help that we need. Help is the least utilized four-letter word in the English language. It we're is. We're so ashamed that, oh my God, I'm going to get help. I need help. What? Everybody's going to think I'm weak and terrible and pathetic. And no, it takes courage to ask for help. It takes great courage. So think. I ask people to think back to the times in your life where you have found the courage to go to school to maybe get married, to maybe have kids, to take on a job that was very challenging, like you have over the years. <laughs> you take it for granted, but you're one of the most courageous people I know. You just step out into all this, you know, this this vast, mysterious space to dare to, to conduct these inquiries and conversations with so many different kinds of people. That takes tremendous courage. So think back to the times you've summoned newfound courage and understanding and clarity. And because something's calling you to find that courage again, to turn the page, to create joy in this new chapter of a new year of life, to find that path, to clear the path forward and to find what, what means the most to you, what, what makes your heart sing on that path forward. Well, I feel a lot more hopeful on my path forward after, after talking to you. And you had said that you're more in demand now than ever. I mean, what's what's coming up for you that you can share over the next few months? I mean, hopefully not another horrible thing where you'll have to fly to help people, but something more hopeful than that. Well, you know, I I can't even begin to describe the the joy and the opportunity that life is affording me, how blessed I feel because I get called to help in situations. Again, I still get called when there's a tragedy, but I also get called when there's an opportunity to do extraordinary things, to help people, to forge peace, to create civility in communities, to bring people together on common ground. And our country needs that this year as we said, buckle your seatbelt because there are going to be a lot of people out there trying to stir the pot and create misinformation that leads to bolstering their campaign or whatever it is. And we need to learn how to trust our own hearts that this is, you know, this person is going to help us create the world that our children, that we're going to want our children, grandchildren to live in. And that's what I need to support. And I need to support the things that I'm doing. So I've got podcasts all over the world. I'm being asked to be on podcasts. I was just in Australia and, you know, and, and, and different parts of the world. I'm also helping 
people in different parts of the world. There's a kibbutz in Israel that lost 124 people, and I'm helping them somehow figure out how do we go on? How do we honor those we've lost? How do we go on and forge peace, become part of the solution, not the problem? And so there are opportunities like that. And personally, I've got, you know, I'm going to go down to Baja and see the whales for the first time next month. So I'm also building in some time for me to participate in the miracle of this life and living on this planet. Well, I'm glad you're there. I'm kind of sorry that we need you so much, but I'm glad that you're there and out there and, and available. And people can find you on your site. It's kendruck.com or Dr. Kendruck? Yeah. No, kendruck.com. And if they want to find the book, uh, it's howwegoon.com, howwegoon.com. And they can find out all about the book and uh, even order it from there. But um, I welcome people's questions. I, I get back to people if they write me. Um, I, we'd love to send you a, a self-care handbook if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing. Um, so I, I welcome that opportunity and I welcome any time, any time to, to be with you, Diane, to work with you, to support your extraordinary enterprise in this podcast. Well, thank you so much, Ken. You're the best. So are and you. I hope people pick up this book because it's so full of so much great wisdom to help us go on and do what we need to do. And if you did like the show today, if you like what you heard, please leave a review. And if you haven't downloaded the free mindbodyspirit.fm mobile app, make sure you do that in the app store for Apple or Android. You can listen to all of our fabulous shows anytime you like. Leave a message or comment for any of our podcasters on the open mic feature and make sure you give us a listen. Check out everybody we have on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. And thanks for listening. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.